Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. In today's episode, we're joined by Kathleen Duffy, President and CEO of Duffy Group, a global recruitment company based out of Phoenix, Arizona. Kathleen founded Duffy Group in 1991, and over the course of more than 30 years, it has grown to become one of the most respected recruitment firms in the nation. With nearly four decades of experience in recruiting, Kathleen is a founding member of the Arizona Human Resources Executive Forum, and in addition to leading Duffy Group, she is a highly regarded keynote speaker, author, and member of the Forbes Human Resources Council, along with involvement in various philanthropic efforts. We brought Kathleen on today to talk about a challenge we're seeing facing many employers as they continue to lament about the lack of qualified candidates in the workplace. The problem is not just a labor shortage, but also that companies may not be looking in the right places for talent. So we brought Kathleen on today to help us out and understand how that can be more effective. Kathleen, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Josh, thanks. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you on. So before we get started and talk about sourcing and how to build a better pipeline for talent. Can you help us walk through your career path and what led you to pursuing a career in recruiting and human resources? Sure. So I have a a relatively um, non-traditional career path here. It really started when I was a student at Arizona State University. And um, during my time, a lot of the student activities that I was involved with in were Greek life. Um, I also was a member of what's called the Devil's Advocates. We're Sun Devils at Arizona State University. And um, and so the Devil's Advocates is the organization that goes out to the high schools and tells them about how great it is at ASU and uh, encourages them to apply. So a lot of that had to do with recruiting. And I was really good at it. I was very good at being intuitive and being able to figure out what type of personality, what type of culture might fit into my sorority, might fit into Greek life in general, and would be a good fit at Arizona State University, and then how to help connect them to the right players um, to answer their questions about what are their major, whatever, 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 right? And so um, when I graduated, I thought that I was going to go into like public relations or training and development because recruiting wasn't really referred to as a career. And it was, uh, you know, we were just in the midst of a recession, one of the many that we've had over the last 30 some years. And, um, and so I stumbled around for a little while and, um, and then I got introduced to a woman who ran an executive search firm and she took a chance on me. And she really taught me the tools of being what we call recruitment research, which is the front end of the executive search process. And I loved it. I loved the hunt to try to find these people. And that's really how I got into it. So, you know, we don't think about how our, our student activities really do impact how we may end up in our future career, but it's, it's worked out quite nicely for me. That's so great. And thank you for sharing that. I always love hearing that from the guests that join this podcast and hearing the unique paths that lead everyone to their careers. And oftentimes it is just those moments growing up or or that you don't even think of as what will lead you to your eventual careers and your passions, but they all do make sense once you put them together. And you're like, yeah, okay, that does actually add up. Yep. 
Yep, absolutely. That's great. So then Kathleen, tell us a bit more about Duffy Group and what you currently oversee in your day-to-day there as the CEO and president. So Duffy Group is a 31-year-old company. Um, I started the company, as I said earlier, I worked for a boutique executive search firm. I worked for them for eight years. I figured that I would probably be there for the rest of my life, but they decided that they were going to relocate out of the state of Arizona and move to Northern California, and that really wasn't an option for me. So I found myself basically unemployed. And I had this really great skill, which was sourcing talent um, out of organizations. And I thought, well, I could go ahead and and find a a real job in a real company, or I could take the skill set that I had and I could sell it to other search firms, which is predominantly how that was done at that during those those early days of, of the 80s, or I guess 90s at this point. And um, but then I thought, I thought, you know what, I'm going to introduce this to corporate America. So what I did is I introduced my sourcing expertise. And at that point, companies only had a couple flavors of outsourcing recruiting, and it was contingent firms, retained firms, or the Sunday paper. So to hear that they could unbundle the recruiting process or the search process and buy the pieces that they need was brand new. And so people took to it. They were very excited about this. So Also, at the same time, I was trying to start a family. And um, my first child, which we adopted the following year, came and I didn't want to miss anything. So my my business really became about work-life balance. But what happened is, is people really embraced this sourcing model and the fee structure that goes along with it. And so then I, the business got bigger and I couldn't handle it. And I had to start hiring people. And I started hiring more people like me. They happened to be women. They were professional recruiters and they wanted to figure out how did they raise their kids, still be able to pick them up at the bus stop and have a professional career. So, you know, the pandemic made everybody else figure that this is the greatest thing to do, but we've been doing it for nine, you know, for 30 some odd years. Right. You're at the forefront of work-life balance. Yeah. I love, I love the, the whole thing about being a pioneer. Um, so that's really kind of how the the culture, if you will, of Duffy Group got started. Um, and so the the business has consistently grown over the past 30 years. I would say probably in the last three or four years, it's really exploded. And so my role as president and CEO is really to oversee the strategy. I'm not involved in the day-to-day recruiting. I have some terrific practice leaders and a, a team of about 35 recruiters that uh, that really do you know do all, are the magic behind all of this. But I do a lot of the business development, and then my passion is really around promoting the brand of of what recruitment research is and the importance of sourcing and and building candidate pipelines, and most importantly, being proactive in your recruiting process. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, Kathleen. Now, for our novice listeners and some of our newer HR professionals who listen to the podcast, I'd love to start our conversation of sourcing and really break down the basics of candidate sourcing. So can we start there and just walk us through the concept of candidate sourcing and why it's so vital to recruiting efforts? Sure. So for me, candidate sourcing is all about finding the person or the persons who are in the role that you're looking to hire. And it is a very proactive process. So this isn't necessarily about posting and praying because then you have candidates coming to you. But sourcing is that hunting piece. It is 
um, going out there and whether you're mining them off of the internet, off of LinkedIn or cold calling into companies, it's about being very, very intentional and building the, um, you know, I call them databases, you know, people can call them pipelines, whatever, of these really hard to find candidates and starting to build relationships with them. Are there any factors that really make for a productive candidate sourcing approach? Well, it really starts with understanding what the ideal candidate is. Right. So, you know, a lot of times a hiring leader will hand you a job description and say, okay, Josh, I want you to go out there and find me this CFO. And you go, okay. And so you look at this job description. Well, you know, they really want a CFO who has taken a company public. They've worked in a private private company. They've had experience taking the company public. They would like somebody that has come out of one of the big four originally. So they're going to give you some very, very specific details about what that is as opposed to just a general CFO. And so you have to understand that. And then you are able to start really fine-tuning. So where are those CFOs? And if you, you know, get somebody on the phone or when you get someone on the phone, the, you know, one of the first qualifying questions that you want to ask them is, have you taken a private company public? And if the answer is no, then, okay, so you put them onto the B list and then you move on so that you can really just focus on those people who are really what your hiring leader is looking for. Right. That makes a ton of sense. It's setting your priorities out at front and knowing, okay, what do you value most in your candidates? What are the attributes that you're really looking for? And knowing those from the start, I think that that makes total sense. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, you know, through the sourcing process, you may, you may think you want a CFO that looks like this. And so then you start looking at these candidates and then you realize you know what, I don't think I really want this type of a a background. And so the other part of the sourcing is it helps you to to go through discovery as well to be able to figure out, is this really what I'm looking for? Especially if it's a newly created role. Um, You know, so you may be looking for something that you're not quite sure of until you see it. Yeah, that's really interesting. It seems like it almost welcomes some flexibility too in sourcing that you need to understand that what you thought you may be looking for at the start can adapt and change as you really do start to see what's out there in the market. Absolutely. Absolutely. Versus having a rigid set of this is exactly what I'm looking for and not having that openness to say, you know what, maybe there is a better option that we hadn't considered. Right. Because when you are too rigid, then what happens is your job is open for nine months. Right. (laughs) Sure. I've mentioned at the open that some of the challenges that many teams are facing right now is feeling like their candidates are very limited. So what are some of the biggest challenges teams are encountering in recruiting efforts, especially in this challenging time of the great resignation, the great reshuffle? Well, I think that it's really just thinking differently about how we go about recruiting. So, you know, the pandemic, I mean, it just decimated so many things, right? But you know, it, it, it really called attention to what people are looking for. And, you know, we talked about the whole work-life balance. So the benefits pieces are critical. I think in some cases they're getting a little out of hand um, to be, you know, as an employer, I think sometimes they can get a little out of hand what people are asking for. But I do think that 
employers do need to pay attention to that. But in terms of just thinking differently about how we go about approaching a candidate, you know, before you could just put in, you know, a posting out there and you would get a a pretty good candidate flow. But what's happening now is that there are lots of companies just like your company that are looking for the same exact talent. Right. How do you differentiate? Yeah, exactly. And so, Josh, you may be a CFO and you may be getting 10 emails a day from whether they're from external recruiters or internal recruiters talking to you to see if you can get their, your, if seeing if they can get your attention. And what are they going to do to rise above the other noise that's out there to get Josh's attention and that Josh will return your call? And so that's really, that's where a lot of, um, you know, this, the branding, the employment branding comes into place, you know, even some of the whole social media, because if you get an inquiry and you're thinking, oh, Duffy Group, I might like to, you know, I've, I've kind of heard about them. And so then you start looking at who Duffy Group is and you're going to see, oh, they're really fun. They have this kind of a culture. Then you would probably return the call. But you may go, oh, well, I got this other call. And then you look at their website or their social media and you're like, hmm, I don't think I'm going to return their call. So a lot of candidates now are looking before they're applying even. And so it's a whole different sales approach. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So what are we seeing out of this current talent group that exists in the market? What are they looking for that may be unique to past waves of talent searches? So the candidates or the employers? Let's look at both. What are the candidates currently looking for in companies that we hadn't seen previously? Well, I think the big thing is, is that they're they're looking for the flexibility of the office space. And, um, you know, while I think there are some jobs that can be, you know, work fully remotely, I mean, I'm a completely remote workforce right now. Um, there are a lot of people that really just want that hybrid. And I think to be able to have that flexibility to respond to what people are looking for because they've had a taste of it. Right. And, you know, it's it's going to be really difficult to go back. I think as an employer, um, it's tough because there has been this, um, and I'm, I'm almost thinking too uh, from myself as an employer, candidates have gotten more vocal about what they want. And I think that they, in some respects, have are a little out of, out of touch. You know, they're thinking, well, I can just say, you know, if this is a, a $75 to $80,000 a year job, I'm going to come in and, and get 100 because there just are so few of me out there. Right. And while there may have been that going on with some of our, you know, especially food service workers and, and frontline workers, um, that were getting thrown all sorts of sign-on bonuses and such, that's sort of tempered now. And you can really put your foot in your mouth sometimes and ruin an opportunity by asking for the the star and the moon and the sun and the rainbows um, that are just over and above what an but is realistic for an employer. Sure. That totally makes sense. And you're also seeing it in the market is we're seeing teams establish a plan for going forward and saying, hey, we're going back to the office X amount of days a week. As you mentioned, flexibility being a priority for the employees. 
we're starting to see employers and organizations establish, yeah, we're, we're 50% in the office, 50% work from home workforce. If that works for candidates, great. If it doesn't, they're not the right fit versus maybe what we saw in the, the start of the great resignation where there was a bit more willingness to cater to the demands of the employee. I think we're starting to see things swing back toward the middle. Yeah, right, right. Because you know the, what I have seen is that if I demand um, a $3,000 sign-on bonus and you go, okay, I'm going to give that to you and I have to stay here six months, I'm going to still be looking for another job. This is what's, this is what's happening. People are still looking for right. another job so that after that six months, then they can go and get another sign-on bonus. Um, and I think that we're not seeing at that as much as we were for a while. Yeah, you're not seeing that talent volatility that maybe we did see about a year ago, Yeah, uh, which is only a good thing, again, for the employers as you're going through the hiring process. It's a massive investment that you want to be able to recoup on in building a great employee-employer relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in seeing so many of these teams better understand recruiting efforts through the great resignation, through the great reshuffle, what are some of the most common mistakes you're seeing teams make in their recruiting efforts when they get started and are looking for that ideal candidate? They don't plan. They just react. Oh my God, we have to hire five salespeople. What do we do? Um, and so they they really need to, you know, just kind of step back and plan. And, you know, plans are as, as good as, you know, day to day, right? But still, if you know that you're going to hire five salespeople, in you know the first half of the year, how do you want to budget for that? Do you have all the internal resources that you need to be able to go out there and get that talent, or do you need to find a recruiting partner that you want to use? You know, do you have the accurate headcount, or you know, have you identified what that accurate headcount is? So if it is five salespeople, you know, what happens if it turns into seven? You know, how can you flex with that? And I think that by planning and being proactive through all of this, it helps you to find the right candidate faster, and then you get them hired faster, which in the end saves your company a significant amount of money. Because if you think about, yes, the hiring process and the onboarding process is expensive. The having a position vacant is extraordinarily expensive. So you want to find the right candidate fast, and you want to get the right candidate hired fast and retained. That's some great advice. And yeah, planning is so crucial in so many processes, including the hiring process of just knowing who you need, what you need, and that it's the right fit. As you mentioned too, it can be so challenging to make the wrong call, to make the wrong hire, when you can actually take the time to ensure that who you are hiring, who you are looking for is the right fit. The long-term benefits there are far outweigh the short-term gains of maybe just hiring as fast as possible. Yep, absolutely. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hey listeners, believe it or not, top companies are already starting to plan for their holiday gifting now. We all know that the summer months go by fast, and finding those great gifts for your team and customers can be difficult, especially as the holiday months get closer. So get a head start on your holiday shopping and avoid that end-of-year stress with Swag.com. Swag.com makes picking out your holiday corporate gifts simple and fun. There are so many great holiday treats that you can find through Swag.com, from chocolate-covered pretzels and candy tins to insulated tumblers and joggers to help your teams get through those work-from-home days as the temperatures get colder. Swag.com has something for everyone. With so many different products and all the brands we know and love from the North Face, Yeti, Nike, and more, 
all customizable with your company's logo and artwork. And for those new hires, you can even create custom onboarding kits and swag boxes, all deliverable in a box that is uniquely designed just for your company. And guess what? Swag.com's free swag management portal makes it easy to manage storing and shipping all of your company's swag at the click of a button. So get the best gifts for your team. Go to Swag.com today to start planning your holiday presents now. And check it out. I've partnered with the team at Swag.com to provide you with a special code to help you get started with 10% off your order. But that's only when you go to Swag.com slash HRWorks and enter our special promo code HRWorks10. Remember, for 10% off, go to Swag.com slash HRWorks and use the promo code HRWorks10. And now, back to our episode. All right, so... Initially, looking at the sourcing challenges we're seeing today, I'd love to learn more about the recruitment research model that you employ with Duffy Group. So from there, can you actually just explain a bit more about the recruitment research model and how it can be a key to unlocking pipelines of untapped and overlooked talent in the marketplace? Yeah, sure. So as I said, um, recruitment research actually has been around for a very, very long time. Um, It is the front end of all retained search processes and where most of us that are independent got our our starts in the in the retained search world. So there are a handful of us out in the world that just brand ourselves as recruitment research firms. I mean maybe there's less than a hundred of us. So it's it's interesting. But it is a five step process. And it starts with the intake. We talked a little bit about that earlier on. And that is when the researcher meets with the hiring leader and whoever the other key stakeholders are. And that's where you find out more about the role, about the company, and about the hiring leader. And with all of that, you're looking to put that story together because we're storytellers. It's also about the strategy. I said earlier on about sourcing candidates. Where are the people currently employed that you're looking to hire? Are they in your competition? Are they in certain industries? What could their titles be? And then that helps us to be able to go to step two, which is name generation. And that's where we go out and we identify who the people are that are in the jobs in those organizations that our client is looking to hire from. So once we have those names, the third step is pitching. Okay. And that's where our storytelling expertise comes into place. And that's where we've got, Josh, your name. You get that call out of the blue and it says, Josh, this is Kathleen Duffy. I'm a recruiter and I'm doing some work for fill in the blank and they're looking for a fill in the blank. And I want to see if you have a few minutes to chat about this. And most people will want to chat because they're like, how'd you get my name? Um, And so again, that's where we get into the storytelling because Josh, you're not looking for a job. You're very happy in what you're doing and OPS to your employer, we're not going to recruit you. So just to let you know. (laughs) (laughs) And so you're now you're getting, you know, you're, you at least will listen to this opportunity. Sure. Um, while you may decide, you know, I'm not, I'm not able to relocate to the Phoenix area. We may just have a conversation. We'll learn a little bit more about you. We'll gather data maybe around your compensation. Um, maybe if you're in a sales role, we'll understand how your compensation is structured because part of what our clients are hiring us to do is to gather some market data as well. And that is kind of unique about the recruitment research model. So you are interested in this opportunity. We're going to go ahead and put some interview notes together. So that's the fourth step. 
We put um, the profile together, which may or may not accompany your resume. You may not have a, a resume that's uh, current. And we deliver that to the clients real time. So the metric that we use in our world is that usually candidate, or, um, employers are seeing candidates in 10 to 15 business days, which is quite fast for a yeah. passive candidate. Um, and then the final step is what we call the report and presentation. And so while interested qualified candidates are being delivered real time, at the very end of the project, you get a database, an Excel spreadsheet of all the candidates that we've identified. And that's where the database and the pipeline starts coming into place. So now we have the 75 people who are in a sales role in your competition. And because we've had um, some conversations with them, not all of them were interested, not all of them were qualified, but we've also gotten some market data. So now you understand that in addition to being able to um, offer them a base salary and here's a, you know, here's what the, the bonus plan should look like, most people are offering company cars and they're not, you know, a fusion they are a Mercedes or a Tesla, you know? And so that's good information for you to know because you may not have been offering cars in the past. Right. And so now you know that's really what you're going to have to do and then take that back to the powers that be to evaluate whether or not that's even a possibility, right? So that's the five-step process. The other thing that's very different about the recruitment research model is that we work in billable time. So traditional recruiting firms, their fees are, are based on a percentage of the candidate salary. With recruitment research, it's in billable time. And so that allows companies to manage their recruiting process, um, their recruiting budget. They can um, go buy as little or as much as they need. So it's my belief that most employers are, especially talent acquisition professionals are experts at being able to get candidates across the finish line. So why pay for something that you don't necessarily need? What you need is the extra help in getting out there and really digging and finding those candidates. And that's what's a, really the ultimate beauty of recruitment research is that it is about as collaborative as you can be. Well, in, in working in that model too, I think it forces hiring teams and organizations looking to hire to be more intentional and really smart about their time too, which goes back to that preparation piece. One thing I thought was interesting in talking about the passive candidate market, oftentimes these candidates are happy in their current roles. So you need to do something to stand out and really be unique and appeal to the passive market. So what can companies do to really stand out and appeal to those talented individuals that could be the right fit for their open opportunities? Well, um, as we talked about a little earlier too, you know, candidates are looking first. So they're, and they're going right to social media. So you want to be able to control your message, control your narrative. And you're seeing that a lot of organizations um, and a lot of them are larger organizations that have a, a large social media team. They're able to do some fun TikTok or Instagram posts that, you know, show company meetings, show some philanthropic work. Um, maybe it's even the CEO sharing something, right? But I think that's really where we have to start moving. And I know even as an employer myself, that's the direction that we're really trying to go, you know, because there's there are a lot of opportunities out there and we want 
that, you know, really great recruiters to, if they're looking to go with a recruit, you know, with an outside recruiting firm, we want them to, to look at ours because they, they like the culture, they like the values that are behind there. But I, th- I really think that's the opportunity. P- people are looking for more values-based. They want to understand who the executive leadership are. I do a lot of work with boards and especially women on boards. And people will say to me, how do I know that this CEO embraces women in their organization. I said, look at their leadership team. Look at the the composition of their leadership team. Look at the composition of their board. And that will tell you exactly. Um, I mean, that speaks volumes to what um, hiring leaders are doing. Right. That's an easy way to get a feel for the values and the diversity of a leadership group right from the top down. Um, And the accessibility to that information, there's no better time than today with the access to technology and being able to look at leadership teams pretty clearly through tools such as LinkedIn or through company websites and get a good sense of the values of an organization and if that aligns with what you're looking for. Exactly, exactly. So are there any unique aspects that candidates are looking for? Has something caught you off guard that you didn't expect to see? You know... What was really crazy was the number of opportunities that there were for recruiters out there. Um, There were more job postings for recruiters than there were software engineers at one point. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I really think that recruiting and, and even HR in general moved to the top of the food chain because of the pandemic. Um, You know, CHROs in particular, I I could see them, um, you know, CEOs really partnering with that HR person to help them manage just the whole employee base through the pandemic, right? Right. Um, And then it became very clear that we needed to think out of the box about how we were going to hire the talent that we needed. And now we, we see, I mean, I know my company in particular is getting a lot of searches for heads of talent acquisition. And it's crazy. These are newly created jobs. And then they're how they're structuring them internally is almost like a search firm, which is great because if you're a large organization, you should pay it like an internal search firm that you're constantly recruiting and looking for talent. That's a great thing to notice. Yeah, I, I would say the role of HR professionals within the company came right to the forefront in the pandemic, mm-hmm. figuring out new ways to keep the business moving forward. It's been great to see that that's really been maybe the unexpected change, but a welcome change in the marketplace. Yeah. And there's just so many mental health challenges that were going on. Um, then we're having, you know, I mean, just the whole illness piece of it. That's where that people first mentality really started to um, come to a forefront. And as HR leaders were, you know, whispering and reminding their CEOs about these things, it helped them to kind of put the profit piece secondary and know that the profits are going to come by taking care of your people. It is a great time to be an HR professional. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So Kathleen, I'm curious, just looking ahead to the future, as you mentioned, it, it is a booming period for HR professionals, but what do you see as the future of recruiting and what are some trends you're excited about in the recruiting space? Well, I think that, you know, as I said, when I, when I started, it wasn't 
even a twinkle in anybody's eye. You know, um, it was sort of a, um, a taboo type of a profession. Oh, you can't find a real job, so you're going to go be a headhunter. Um, you know, such a derogatory term. Or if you, you know, told people in a social setting that you were a recruiter, they just, they, they had a negative opinion because of, you know, a call or some interaction that they had. Now it is really a very viable profession. There are so many conferences that are just for recruiters and the collaboration and the collegiality amongst recruiters is really amazing. And it's not only just like in our city or in our state or even in our country, we're seeing it much more across the globe that recruiters are sharing wisdom with each other. So, you know, I, ta- I, I say that we've, we've hit the top of the food chain, but it's really also a viable profession. And it's just, it's a really fun profession, a really fun profession because you learn all the time. And if you think about who's making the biggest difference for a company, it's the talent acquisition people finding the right people who are going to be in your organization. Yeah, that is definitely something to get excited about is you're helping solve teams' problems and make them better as a result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to be good with rejection, though. <laughs> Let that roll off your... <laughs> All right. So we're here with Kathleen Duffy, president and CEO of Duffy Group, talking about talent sourcing, recruiting, and navigating teams through the challenges that they're seeing through the great reshuffle and great resignation. Kathleen, We've talked so much about the impacts of the last two years, and we've all seen it in various cases within ourselves. We've learned so much about ourselves over the last two years. What's something you've learned about yourself over the last two years that's made you a better leader? So I've been doing this a really long time. I say that I have a MBA from the School of Hard Knocks, and now I have a PhD in unthinkable uh, you know, situations in the world. Um, but I would say it's really been about listening and um, really being aware of what's going on in everybody's lives. Not not to the point where you need to, you know, be involved in everybody's business, but sometimes somebody may show up to work and not be operating on all eight cylinders that day. And there there could have been something that went on you know, whether it be the dog was sick and, you know, we may have to put him down to a family member was diagnosed with cancer to, you know, whatever. But it's, there are, I think we have to be better at, at paying attention that it doesn't mean that you're doing a bad job. There could be something else and maybe they just need to go out there and catch their breath. And that's probably my biggest takeaway over the last few years. That's great. Yeah. It's it's okay to have a bad day. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not be okay. And I think that's been certainly something a lot of us have learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great one. Thank you for sharing that, Kathleen. You bet. And then I always like to ask of my guests, it's a bit of a pay it forward method. Is there a piece of advice that you've leaned on as a professional that you feel like has really helped you succeed that you could pass to our audience of HR professionals and recruiting professionals to help them out? Build your network. Okay. Do not stay in your home office or your work office and work, 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 work. 
It is so important to have a network. Mine started at Arizona State University, and um, it was through the Greek system. And when I was starting my business, who did I call? I called my network from Greek Life, you know, someone from a different sorority, was head of talent acquisition at American Express when they were here in Phoenix. And I knew she would take my call. Yeah. And you have to just constantly be building that network because that is the best way, one, to find candidates for yourself, but two, it's also the best way for you to find your next job. And three, it's how to get involved into the community because you want to, as you're, as you're looking at uh, maybe serving on nonprofit boards and where is that going to take you into your career, into the future, all of those things are critical. So build your network, get out of the office, start with the chamber, start with your alumni association, um, and just don't be afraid. That's great advice. Build your network. And add me to that network because I am happy to share. <laughs> and that is a great segue to my last question for you, Kathleen. Do you have anything you'd like to plug, anything you'd like to share with our audience that you're excited about that you've got coming up that we could put out there for the HR Works audience? Gosh, you know, um, our big thing is that we have been really working to elevate the awareness of recruitment research. Um, that has been our strategic mission to help people understand that there's a, a third modality out there to executive search. So contingent, retained, and recruitment research. And so I want people to understand that that's out there and, um, and, and check it out. There are some really wonderful organizations that specialize in recruitment research. And just like anything, it's about a partnership and who's the right partner to be able to plug in and plug out to your um, sourcing. Okay. And for anyone who wants to learn more about Duffy Group or connect with you, what's the best place that they can go? Well, they can go to our website, which is duffygroup.com. I am on LinkedIn uh, and all sorts of forms of social media. But um, and as a matter of fact, if you go to my uh, LinkedIn site, you'll be able to message me and I do have my email on there as well. Perfect. LinkedIn can't think of a better way to build your network, as you mentioned. So yes. that's fantastic. And, and we'll link to all those appropriate sites through our site as well when we release this episode. But otherwise, look, Kathleen, it was great connecting with you. It was great speaking with you just about, again, building that recruiting pipeline, building that talent pipeline and giving our audience just some advice to make a better and more effective recruiting process. So thank you for joining us today on the HR Works podcast. We hope to have you back soon and definitely stay in touch. Great. Thanks, Josh. I've appreciated it. Thank you for listening to the HR Works podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.